Hey guys. Hello, welcome back. Rebel Women here. It's just the two of us again, but that's all right. We're excited to come to you guys today with uh, Gabby's Gambia story. Yay. I am so excited to just talk all your ears off. Hopefully for not too long. Emma, cut me off if we need to, but it's been 10 years since I took the adventure of my lifetime thus far. I hope it won't be the only adventure of my lifetime, but um, I'm really excited to talk about it. It's been 10 years. I've been so excited to talk about this with you, but like so much so that I've been trying to hold back on asking you very many questions because I wanted to save it for the podcast. Um, (laughs) So I'm excited to finally get to go off. But before we jump into that, is there anything you want to update everybody on? Well, honestly, lots of family stuff going on, guys. We're just riding the storm. We're riding the, you know, emotional storm of family stuff in my life right now, but also the very physical sense of that it is a blizzard outside right now. Hey, yo. <laughs> is, does this blizzard have a name? Um, oh, I'm not sure. Are you looking okay. it up? No, I'm going to take a little Instagram story ah, yes. of our little recording situation right now. And the blizzard that you can see at our window, it literally looks like I'm looking at a white piece of paper over my window right now. It's full <laughs> blizzard, full blizzard mode, full even out here on the island that I live, we usually don't get a ton of snow because we are quite out into the ocean and it is coming down, bro. Wow. (laughs) That's impressive. Like by your standards, like, yeah, you damn near never get the crazy amount of snow that we get. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yes. So we're like riding it out and you know what? We might have a little weird weather internet stuff, I think, but you guys, as we've said before, you're here for the quality content, not the quality technological intelligence. Yes. And I <laughs> am pretty secure in the fact that I'm getting better at my editing skills. So I will do my best to salvage what I can if things do go slightly technologically awry. Um Speaking of Instagram, if you're following it, what are you doing? We're very, very active on there. We usually, not usually, what am I saying? (laughs) We've done it twice. (laughs) Um, We're starting to ask everybody for questions or topic points before we record our episodes. And that's where you get to hear what we're recording before it's ever released on Spotify or wherever you're listening. I think Spotify is our number one listening space, though. And so if you want to participate, if you want to ask us a question or just know what the fuck is up with what topic is coming to you guys next, you should definitely follow us over there. Yeah, follow us, engage with us on there. We um, want your feedback. You know, we want to talk about what you want to hear about. So um, we also uh, just started a Twitter Gabby just started the Twitter. Don't you not take the full credit for this girlfriend. (laughs) Oh, you know, we're all kind of new at Twitter still. So we're figuring out how to best be tweeting, but we're we're getting there. (laughs) Best be tweeting. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's different. But if anybody out there, our listeners, our friends, our followers have Twitter and want to follow us on there, I think it's just at Rebel Women Pod. Yep. Same as Instagram. Yep. So it's just same across the board, pretty much. I think on listening platforms, it's the Rebel Women, but everywhere else it's Rebel Women Pod. Perfect. Um, anything else new with you besides like some crazy family happenings? Not really. What about you, Emma? 
just a lot of juggling crazy family happenings Mm. (laughs) um and a lot of writing we talked about this a little bit this morning about how I'm starting to have a hard time falling asleep again like I used to when I was a child because my imagination was just like so overactive that my inner monologue (laughs) was just like popping off every five minutes and it's getting to be like that last night was the first time where I was like oh my god no wonder I got no sleep as a child (laughs) I can't (laughs) fall asleep right now but all good things all good things I'm very excited (laughs) that's great yeah are you ready to jump in yeah, maybe I'll say real quick, just as a heads up also, if Emma is unable to edit it out, because who knows what this is going to look like. Um, <laughs> I'm also here with both my children. I'm, if you're on Patreon and watching, I'm sitting somewhere. I'm usually not sitting. I'm in my kitchen um, recording today because my partner, Brandon, is out snow plowing. So I am full only parent on duty whilst podcasting. So thank you for your patience. (laughs) Every single part of your house is just like so aesthetically pleasing, like gorgeous. (laughs) Hello. Oh man, I try, I try. All the more reason to join the Patreon just to get a really good glimpse at what (laughs) Gabby's beautiful, beautiful house looks like. Gorgeous, gorgeous house for a gorgeous, gorgeous girl. Okay, so I want to know how old were you? when you ended up in Gambia and how the F did you end up in, what was it, South Africa? <laughs> I was That's in, it, it was West Africa. West, fuck. Sorry. That's okay. You're, you're no. going to find out real fast how uncultured and unaware, unwoke, uh, like locationally <laughs> challenged I am in this episode. I'm really <laughs> putting myself uh, up to be burned at the stake for this one. <laughs> no, I think this is going to just add to the listening experience so much because I'm sure you're just like, you're not alone out there. And me too. I've traveled, but I'm still just kind of like, not always. I'm pretty geographically directionally challenged myself. So yes, yes. I yep. could go off about that forever. Maybe we'll talk about that in our car episode <laughs> coming up. Oh yeah. All right. So how old are you and how'd you get there? So I was 20 and I turned 21 while I was in Gambia. That's so special. Yeah, it was extremely, extremely special. It was probably a birthday I will never forget. Um, we, yeah, so I went out for my birthday out to a restaurant. There was a small like um, kind of touristy area. Mm-hmm. in the Gambia they called it Senegambia actually that area but um it there was restaurants so we went to a Lebanese restaurant I went with the other Americans that <laughs> <laughs> that went to Gambia it was like it was fun to just for a minute just forget we were there yeah and I know that sounds really bad maybe but it'll make sense as I go on with the story I think yeah. but I had a glass of red wine <laughs> on just my 21st one. birthday <laughs> just one it um Gambia at least where I was in Gambia and the family I was living with um the general area was mostly Muslim people and alcohol is a no-no in the Muslim religion so oh, yeah yeah so we um i no drinking. It was a long, it was probably, I mean, obviously I turned 21 there, but I was drinking before that point. So it was, a. Mm-hmm. um, I, um, it was a, the longest time of my early twenties of not drinking. So, um, that was pretty cool. So I had my one glass of red wine, my, the night of my 21st birthday had some delicious Lebanese food. Um, 
And the second part of the question, how I got to Gambia, how the heck did I end up there? Um, (laughs) I was a college student at the College of the Atlantic. I went to Gambia in January because it's been 10 years. So um, the trip started in January and the spring before I had taken uh, African drumming class as a for fun class, um, for funsies, a for funsies class, just for my own love and enjoyment. Um, yeah. And so the teacher, his name is Mike Bennett, really fun guy. He, um, he was the teacher of the drumming class. We did mostly djembe. We might've messed around a little bit with some other drums at the time, but, um, one of my very best girlfriends was also in that class. And she's one of my ride or dies. Her name is Hannah. I did not mention her in the um, making friends as adults. Every single time we all almost say making adults as friends. (laughs) Every time. And I almost just did it again. I had to catch myself. I watched your mouth go, uh, friends. (laughs) Yeah, but it just adds to our character, I swear. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, Hannah and I, since college, have not lived in the same area as each other for more than a minute. So I don't like we're of course she's one of my ride or dies we always pick up right where we left off and we're talking or when we see each other but we've not like had an adult friendship necessarily in that we've not lived nearby to each other but as a long distance adult friendship she my girl um but yeah so she and I were in that class together and we had a lot of fucking fun um back then and she was just like bro let's fucking go let's go let's go to let's go to Gambia it was definitely it was definitely her she definitely brought it to the table she was like you want to fucking go I'm not even joking we can raise money let's fucking do it and and I was just like being that down ass hoe that I am was just like (laughs) fuck yeah let's go um because Mike the teacher he had a home there in Gambia um I I just want to clarify like Mike is a white man from Maine (laughs) he's not an African man. So he's like a Mainer, um, but he is an incredible drummer and musician. Incredible. He, I mean, he definitely plays in a couple bands that perform like around Ellsworth MDI area. Um, But yeah, so he, he went every winter back then. He literally went every winter. Like some people summer in Florida, he fucking summered in Africa. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And he had taken American students, maybe a, a couple times before I know of at least two other times over the like 13 or 14 years that he had been going. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so we like told him and we worked it out with, uh, school so that we could get school credit. It wasn't like a program, you know, like a lot of times with colleges, there's like programs that you sign up for, you go with a class. It was not a program, but it, we did get school credit for it. That's so incredible. We said, well, it was like incredible. you're going with your teacher. So exactly. Yeah. And we um, there's this really cool thing at COA called independent studies where you just pretty much design what you're going to do. So we set up like a three topic independent study and it would have filled up however many credits we needed for that term based on what we were going to do there in Gambia, like set it up with Mike's guidance. And we worked with another teacher who did like political science stuff. Um, and we sort of just designed this curricula essentially. Um, and yeah, we spent, so that was the spring that summer 
we both worked really fucking hard saving money. Um, we. Do you, do you remember how much you had to save up? Dude, I don't remember. I want to say that the, oh God, I wish I had this. Um, we, it was like the plane tickets alone were like $5,000. Yeah. Oh my God, I was thinking like a thousand, not 5,000. No, it was a lot of money. And then we had to go with a certain, and I, maybe I'm completely off. I don't know. Maybe Mike or Hannah will listen to this and be like, dude, she is, her brain is fried. She does not know what she's talking about. <laughs> but then also I did buy tickets at that time to go from, so we stayed, I stayed in Gambia. I flew to Gambia. I then stayed there for four months or some shit. Holy and shit. then, yeah. And then I flew from Gambia all the way to Zimbabwe. And I just want to clarify that Africa is a huge ass continent. So I flew all the way from Gambia to Zoom to Zimbabwe. That could have been the same distance as going all the way back to New York City. It's that far. So I flew alone all the way to Zimbabwe to spend two weeks with my very good friend. And then I flew home to back to Maine, back to Boston from Zimbabwe. So my tickets might have been a little bit more because I added a, a little bit. to my journey. <laughs> I was fucking committed as fuck. <laughs> I mean, might as well when you have the opportunity to already be in that general area, even though it is quite the fucking distance. Even though it's so not. And that just shows my naivety. I'm like, when in Africa, like, let me go <laughs> visit this guy I'm in love with. He lives all the way across the continent. Yeah. And I, yeah. So um, maybe we should talk about was- Zimbabwe another time. Yeah, we will. We will talk about that another time. Um, so that, but that was a huge, yeah, it was a very expensive ticket wise. Yeah. And, um, and then we did, Mike like had a set amount of money we needed to give to the host family that we'd be staying with. Okay. Yeah. So we, and I don't remember what that was. So you were kind of like a foreign exchange student, except you weren't going to school there. Yeah. You were getting your own education. Getting my own education. So yeah. That was that part. <laughs> That's incredible. Were you nervous? Yeah, dude. I was so nervous. Yeah. I what? actually, I cried a lot. Like, especially the, the leading up to it, pretty much between Christmas and New Year's, I cried a lot. I was scared. I had moments of totally um, uh, kind of second guessing my choices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of anxiety there. Yeah. <laughs> So did you get to pick your host family or did Mike set that all up? No, Mike set it all up. It was a family that he was very close with. Mm -hmm. And it's a family that has hosted Americans before. Okay. And part of like the money that we would bring over, um, they had accommodations that most of the other families did not like water. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like as small as that, like they had water, whereas like any other f- compound, any other family, any other compound we could have stayed at would not have had water. So like there was one spigot on the compound. So that was like a big thing for us. Yeah. Um, so was were... there water like in house? No, no. So it was, okay. yeah, it was like, a um, you know, like, a like a hose spigot, but it mm-hmm. just stuck straight up from the ground and had like a hose thingy on it. Okay. So that was the only water. 
But everybody else, all the other families, um, they had to walk to like the water source mm-hmm. in the village, in the area, in the town. Okay. Um, which was called Saracunda. Mm-hmm. That was the town I was in. Um, so yeah, most of the other families were walking and lugging a big things of water on their heads. The women, no men, men didn't do that shit. They would have, they would have these big, big plastic barrel things on their heads. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to bring it back mm-hmm. to the yeah. timeline. I'm going to do my best to try and keep us in timeline order here. So you raise the money, you get on the flight. What? There's no way it was a straight flight. Was oh, it? hell no. No. Okay. <laughs> no. So what was the flight? like and were you with everybody were you all together? well okay Mike was already there he went like maybe before Christmas um I okay what did we do um I drove to Portland Hannah and I flew from Portland to Washington DC to the international airport where Mm -hmm. we met up with Dave there was a third American another one another one Dave um was from MDI and he was a fucking musician he was not a COA student he was actually a student of Berkeley School of Music um so he yeah but he just knew Mike from the music scene around MDI and Bar Harbor so we met for some reason we met up with him there and not Portland I think if I'm remembering right I might be remembering wrong so then we were in DC for a little bit and then we all flew out on the big overnight flight have you ever been on a plane that's like it's two seats three seats in the middle and two seats on the other side no I've only ever been on the smaller flights where it's just yep one aisle down the middle the seats are on the side yeah me too up until that point that was my first big huge plane I didn't know that those existed until a movie I watched somewhat recently (laughs) like no fucking joke I was like dang that's a big ass airplane like oh yeah it was huge it was huge and we had the middle three And believe me, we got very close with Dave very quickly because he was like stuck with us two bitches. Like (laughs) that poor guy. We had a great time. Oh, poor Dave rolling. Yeah, poor Dave. Are you kidding me? Oh man, we had a good time. But yeah, so that flight, I want to say that flight was 16 hours. What do you do for 16 hours on a plane? You just me hyperfixating on like the knot. <laughs> yeah, it was like a zombie. I felt like a zombie. We didn't, we weren't able to sleep much. I mean, we drank a lot of wine. We did drink wine on the flight, trying oh, to oh, yeah. relax and fall asleep. We talked a lot, listened to music. And back then it was just your iPod. And oh, I didn't even have one. Hannah had one. We like each took an earbud and like yes. listened to music. And we talked. <laughs> yep, split them buds. And then we got to Senegal. On the, that's where the big plane landed. Senegal, okay. for some fucking crazy reason, we had to take a small, teeny, tiny plane from this terrifying airport in Senegal to the terrifying airport in Gambia. Oh my god! Okay, so like when we're talking teeny, tiny airplane, like might as well be a helicopter airplane size. Okay. Yeah this this airplane from Senegal to Gambia was smaller than the Boston to Bangor ones. It was really small and the airport in Senegal was falling apart. Like the ceiling was falling in and we got there at like three in the morning. Yeah. In Senegal. Mm -hmm. And that's like the big fancy one, right? Well, that was bigger than Gambia. Um, 
but yeah, yeah. So at the, air, okay. the airport was actually falling apart. The okay. ceiling was falling in. It was empty because it was closed for some reason, like airports closed there. And so we all had to pee so bad. So we were like, this is one little thing I remember from the Senegal airport. I remember being fucking starving and having to pee and almost peeing my pants, but having to beg some guy in, they speak French in Senegal, okay. not English. So one, I think Dave and Hannah both knew a little French. So we figured out how to get to a bathroom and it was the first time I saw a bathroom quote, quote, air quote in this area of Africa. It is little holes in the floor. And there's these two little foot slots that you kind of like put your foot in and then you kind of squat over the hole. What do you hold on to? I don't have great balance, so I probably would fall nothing. over. You squat. Yeah, there's you, nothing you to hold on to. You squat and pray. <laughs> you squat and pray. You're in like a complete yogi pose. No. Yeah, and they're not separated either. It's just like a bunch of holes. And this was an airport bathroom. So the floor was kind of ceramic-y, broken ceramic tiles, but there was just a hole in the floor. Um, and then Mike had, we had a six hour layover at this crazy ass airport with no food, nothing. And Mike had set up a friend of his that was Senegalese to meet up with us at the airport and hang out with us. <laughs> a little airport bud. Yep. So he hung out with us and kind of like kept people from harassing us because we were brand new Americans in Africa and like people are waiting to like get your money kind of thing. <laughs> like kind of like scam you. Yeah, kind of. Oh, and we also had a lot of, speaking of airports, we had a lot of training from Mike, like in the months leading up to our trips of like how to handle African airports, because a lot of time they will try to um, tell you your, your luggage is too heavy and you'll have to kind of really, we brought a lot of little things like beanie babies and lighters and maybe not lighters. Maybe we didn't have lighters because that is an airplane, but we had like pens and all kinds of stuff that we could like give to people to like sort of barter get barter to have them let us go kind of thing we weren't used to the African way of things at that time so that it was different. nice yeah it's very different it was really nice to have that guy with us because nobody was we had somebody and nobody was like trying to take advantage of us like that mm-hmm. um but yeah so then we got on the rickety plane and we, none of us slept for days. We had not slept for days, like since we left DC, we got on the rickety plane, got to another rickety airport in Gambia. And then Bakari, the host dad was there waiting for us. And we, yeah, we drove to his place. Why? I don't know why, but when you said <laughs> the host dad, all I got was like the sweetest little wholesome, like photo in my head. Just like a little man, just like, hello. <laughs> oh, he yes. was he was your classic like if you can just like stereotypically imagine like African dad it was him (laughs) he was great okay so he met you guys there and then Mm -hmm. so what were your initial thoughts when you were finally out of the like crazy airport scene did your guard drop down at all or was it still kind of up like what was going through your mind what were you feeling what were you seeing I think one of the biggest things that struck me was how big the sun felt there um it was fucking Mm. hot and bright and um I remember riding in this van he had rented a van or had somebody pick us up in a van and just looking out the window and I mean it's like nothing you've ever 
seen before. It's like, you cannot get enough of what your eyes are seeing in that moment. And it all just felt sort of like fuzzy because I was so tired and it was so new. Um, but yeah, we, um, so yeah, I guess it was just the, how bright it was there was maybe the first thing that really struck me. Um, yeah. That's really cool. I wouldn't even think about how bright it is. Like (laughs) so bright. Yeah. It was especially coming from Maine in January. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. So you guys got in the van Mm -hmm. and you headed to your commune compound. Yep. We headed straight. I'm pretty sure. No, no, it's, it's all good. (laughs) I love it. I'm pretty sure we went straight there. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And I don't remember what time it was, but maybe it was like later in the day. I want to say like maybe around five or so. Cause I remember Mike saying to us, usually Gambians don't eat a meal at this time of day, but because you guys are here, we have food, you know, and we oh. ate the first meal there, um, which my meals from there on out were, um, everybody kind of squats or sits around a big bowl, like a really big bowl, like the biggest mixing bowl size of broken rice and um, a sauce type curry of some sort. There's a few different recipes, but that, that was what we ate, a different variation of that every single day. And everybody uses your hand, your left hand. I think it was yeah. left hand yeah. and you eat. Yeah. And yeah, you, we ate with our hands on the ground out of so a shared just- bowl. Did you dive right into it or were you nervous? I would have been like, I was, so afraid to do something wrong. I was nervous for sure. Yeah. I was nervous, but they thought it like, I remember the Gambians being like so excited to see us eating. Like, oh. like they were just like, you're doing it, you know, like being very encouraging and stuff. And um, yeah, so you would get like a little sauce, you'd scoop it and you'd get like a little sauce and a little rice and you just eat it like that. And Yeah. Was there any etiquette as to like how much you are supposed to be eating? <laughs> when Not it's that I remember. Not that yeah. I remember. Yeah. Just until you're full, till you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And I might be misremembering that too, because there mm-hmm. might've been something with that, but um, yeah. So that was, um, I will say Hannah was a vegetarian. So that one was a little, a little tough to, to navigate because a lot of the curries were some kind of meat thing. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't even think about this person with the food allergy. Didn't even think yeah. about like different ways that people are used to eating at home, whether it's like they've got an allergy or intolerance oh, or yeah. just, like a preferable lifestyle that aligns with their own morals that mm-hmm. is harder to follow through when you're mm-hmm. immersed in another culture. So, yeah, so true. After you ate, did you go straight to bed? Because, I mean, you were fucking tired, right? So tired. We went to our room, and we shared a room, Hannah and I. Like, the way the compound was set up is it's like a horseshoe. It's all gated, and there's, like, a big, heavy gate with a big cement wall, and there's, like, glass shards sticking up at the top of the cement wall, like, taller than you can reach. And then there's a big gate that locks. And then around the inside of the horseshoe are all these little rooms and they kind of open onto like a shared patio walkway and then in the middle of the compound is like tiled ground um and there's bed like everybody's rooms on either side 
towards the back of the compound was the kitchen, which was just like kind of a shed with a fire. And yeah, that was it. Um, and then the water spigot was towards the front. So we went into our room. Dave's room was right next to us. Our room was like two rooms right side by side with the one doorway in between. Mm -hmm. And one bed was in one room, one bed was in the next room. And then in the second room, there was doorway out into the bathroom, which was open air, but a fence, like more of that cement gate. I actually uh -huh. took a picture to show this to you too, Emma. Oh, but cool. um, there was another hole, hole in the cement where the toilet was. Mm -hmm. But we, we ended up using this space. Like there, the whole, the toilet, we had like a little fence there. So somebody could be like squatting. <laughs> it would just be me or Hannah. But one yeah. of us could be using the bathroom toilet area. But then there was like separated from the rest of our little outback area. So we ended yeah, up. So it's using not like you're chilling in your room and then you like look out the doorway and someone's right pissing right there. <laughs> Literally, yeah. yeah, yeah. We had like a little space right there too where we would like hang up wet clothes. We would shower with our bucket, <laughs> or we <laughs> would. Um, we also got a little propane. Well, I can talk about this later, but we did get like a little propane burner mm -hmm. to like make pancakes and shit. Like sometimes Hannah and I were just like, we need non-African food right now. <laughs> we need pancakes. Yeah, That's why so we say like that. Because um, Dill actually had pancakes this morning and he was all hyped. Uh, he hadn't had pancakes in forever. <laughs> I love it. They're so good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that night we pretty much went right to our bed um, room and all the kids came into our room. There were so many kids, like all these village kids, all the kids that like lived there too at the compound because the host dad and mom had so many kids for one thing. <laughs> like six kids and one of them didn't live there but then their kids some of the older kids had kids everybody was there their yeah. little kids yeah it was just there's kids everywhere oh two of their daughters didn't live there anymore so the other daughter who lived just down the street she was there and all her kids were there <laughs> um so like shit tons of kids in our room like trying to go through our suitcases right off the bat wait why were they just and curious super curious we were like we were like on display. Wow. Yep. We were on display. So they, and it, we also didn't know what to do. We didn't like kick them out because we were just not really sure. Yeah. Um, like, I don't so, want to be rude, but that's my shit, bro. <laughs> yeah. So eventually everybody like went to bed, I think. And like, we eventually settled down and yeah. What was that first night? Like weird. Yeah. Yeah. Was it kind of, did it feel sort of like camping? Because everything did. was open. Everything yeah. was super open. It did feel like camping. Um, it was a little scary. There's a lot of noises of the night that I was not used to. Like what? Um, like dogs. Well, lots of stray dogs around there. Oh, really? Just, and it was a very, it was, a, it was like a shantytown type area. So there was, it was very populated. Mm -hmm. um so there's pe lots of people and then also like I said it's a Muslim community so there's this like call to prayer at like several times throughout the 24 hours of the day and some of those and it's like I want to say it's like 6 12 3 a.m 6 a.m noon 3 p.m okay. like so forth like every few yeah. hours there's this thing this music over the loudspeaker 
of at a mosque, which is like a Muslim church. So this like call to prayer plays over the loudspeaker. It's super crackly and echoey Mm -hmm. and it's coming from all directions. So you hear this like prayer. It was wild. Were you expected to participate in the prayer? Oh, no, no, no. Nope. And it was pretty beautiful to see because any of the people, I don't know if they did this during the day too, but at night they would, I mean, yeah, they would do it during the day. What I meant to say is, I don't know if they did this all night, but during the day, one of the things that was super beautiful about that is you stop and they do this prayer thing that looks like a sun salutation you know, like a yoga sun salutation, like it involves these, like on this mat, they roll out this little mat. Why do I feel like I've seen something like that before? You probably have like in media, you know, on TV or in a movie or something, because it's definitely like a real thing that, that Muslim people do. And, but it was beautiful to me that they had the opportunity to take that space throughout the day to like connect with God. That's really cool. Super beautiful. Um, So, I mean, your first night there, were you expecting to be woken up by a loudspeaker and people praying? No, I don't think so. I don't really think we, there was so much we didn't talk about before we went just because there's, there was so much. I mean, it's an entirely different culture. Like there's only so much that you can think to go into. You just kind of have to experience it to really get the full grasp of the depth. Yeah. So you definitely weren't, did it jump you? It would have jumped the fucking shit out of me. I'll tell you what. It was eerie. It was yeah. very eerie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so you and Hannah weren't in the same room, but you had like a doorway separating you. Right. Guys. Did she or you ever like cross over into each other's rooms? Like you hear this too? Like <laughs> Oh, dude, so many nights. And maybe yeah. even that first night we slept together because we just were shook mm-hmm. for various reasons. I mean, like, being thrown into a culture that's that far from your own. I mean, and also just traveling period, that level of traveling, mm-hmm. it's, it's very earth shattering. I for sure would have slept with my friends. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely slept together many nights and maybe that first night, I don't really remember, but yeah, we were a few, I mean, so many times we would just like stare at each other. Like, is this fucking real right now? What's <laughs> happening? Like, is this fucking real? Um, Yeah. So what else happened there in your beginning, like in the beginning part? So you were there for months and months and months. So I don't want to make you go through no. day by day. Wow. It is actually completely white outside. I used to be able it's to insane. see the trees. I can't even see the trees now. It's gone. That's crazy. Okay. Sorry. Didn't mean to. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, yeah. Um. So in the first early, early weeks, um, it took about two weeks for me to get very, very sick. That's another part about traveling to like a third world country is you can expect to get very, very sick at some point. Like, um, you like sick? Like, like I've heard it referred to as Bali belly. Like if somebody were to go to Bali, um, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know what the African version of that would be, but yeah, like a food poisoning type sick. Uh-huh. but it's like a full system overhaul because your body is like completely exposed to bacteria that it's never experienced before completely on so many different levels and sanitation that is so not what our bodies are used to either like I mean they're cooking outside there's no real running water and mm-hmm. no refrigerators um that was one of the first things that we did get for our little room was a refrigerator though <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah we did because so we, we could have some snacks and some some things like some things like, like 
like a college dorm mini fridge or was it one yeah it was like a college dorm mini fridge that um was ghetto as fuck (laughs) yeah like it was not like something we would have here but similar in a way um yeah so we did like bad but was it battery powered or did you guys have outlets it was electric Um, We did have outlets and the way the electricity worked there, we didn't have electricity all the time, or maybe we did have it all the time, but it ran out Mm -hmm. and how you would get electricity as you would go and you would do like a track phone card. Like you'd, you had these, you had to go buy like a card, like you had to put time on it. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. So we paid for a lot of electricity while we were there too. Do you remember how much it was like for just one round? No, I don't. If you nope. end up finding out, please tell me because I'm very curious. I will. I will. Um, we did. And one of the first things we did when we got there, I mean, there was like a series of events. Like the first couple of days we went shopping to different markets, which was fucking mind blowing. We got, we each got a chest with a lock so we could lock our stuff away. Like I said, people just, it was a very open door policy to the rooms too. So we had things we locked away. Mm-hmm. Um, we got our visas. So we had to go to the capital, Banjul, get our visas. Um, we exchanged our money, which was fucking wild. <laughs> it felt like something out of a movie doing that. Like Mike knew a guy who like we we like gave him the American yeah. money and he came back with like a fucking sack of Gambia. Mike money. knew was a guy just, who knew a guy who had it a was sack. like that. <laughs> yep. And somehow it was like we tr- we exchanged our money. And we wow. there was also ATMs there, but you couldn't always be guaranteed that you would get money out of an ATM because the ATMs ran out of money often. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we, we had a lot of cash. We had our cards. And the first few days we went to some of these super sketchy grocery stores. Usually the Gambians shopped in the open air markets, um, but there was some Lebanese owned grocery stores. Mm -hmm. So we got like um, some cheese and shit like that. Like Hannah, definitely needed some proteins and things so we definitely got like some cheese I can't remember some of the other things we kept on us at that time but yeah so um yeah the first days we did that and two two weeks into it I got sick off water off water out of your own not there not there nope so we got invited to a wedding and it was like let's go see it it was so cool and it was so much fun and so cool to see like a traditional Gambian wedding it was yeah it was out of it was like a little drive away um so we went and we were dancing so hard I got so thirsty and we had been warned don't drink water from anywhere except from the tap at Connie Kunda which is where we lived that was what it was called and we were so danced so hard and got so hot. And I mean, it's a hundred degrees, like even when it's dark at night that I drank and somebody was handing out bags of water. They literally were like a thin plastic bag of water and you just rip it and drink it. And they were cold. And I thought because it was sealed, it was fine. But yeah. So on the drive home, we, um, yeah, I started feeling sick. There was a roadblock like a road stop, like where there was police and stuff. I don't remember why it was like a police state kind of thing. So there was for some reason a road, a road stop we had to go through. I don't remember. Cause I knew I was about to 
puke my brains out. And I was like having to like breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth, like really slow. Cause I was like, oh my God, I'm about to be like dead or I'm something. about to die. Yeah. So like we got back to the compound and yeah, I, I threw up all night. I threw up all fucking night. And I had the shits all night. And I I laid out there on that back slab of concrete. And I was naked because I was hot and feverish and sweating. And Hannah kept coming out and putting cold washcloths on me and taking care of me. And I had the bucket. Oh, dude, ride or die. But we, and then I just kept looking up at the moon, which was full and hearing all these sounds and kind of hallucinating a little bit because I was feverish and. So after you were sick there, is it like a one and done? Like you get sick once and then you're fine? Yeah, dude. It was actually insane. So um, I was real sick for like 24 hours. I felt better. And after that point, it's like my whole system changed. I could eat whatever. Um, I didn't try to drink any sketchy water again, but my... um, my skin was gorgeous after that point. It's like up until that point, like my whole body was freaking out. Like really? everything, I felt like I was breaking out. I was feeling weird, like in my system. I was, uh, my hair was acting weird even. And then after that point, it's like my skin was all like beautiful. My hair was all beautiful. I um, could eat whatever. And yeah, it was like a turning point. And then I was golden for the rest of the time. I did consistently have diarrhea pretty much oh, my entire fuck. trip. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Just like every day. I lost um, a lot of weight while I was yeah, there. I bet. I did. Yep, I did. I think I, I think I was down to about 108 pounds. Holy when I'm not yeah when I am normally between like 120 and 130 as my like kind of average sort of weight mm-hmm. um that was a that was intense for me yeah dude just from having diarrhea every day for like four months but there's really nothing it was just like I said like a very different uh bacterial thing going on with the sanitary like the sanitation the cooking everything so yeah are were there any experiences that you had there like I want to hear one beautiful wonderful amazing experience and I want to hear one shitty experience outside of you getting sick whatever Mm. one you want to tell first within your comfort level oh man I had so many really beautiful experiences I mean my trip overall was an extremely beautiful experience you could tell more than one beautiful one um, I'm There's trying no to think of this shit. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think of like something that was really, um, I would say that like, okay, so my biggest, this is kind of a combo story. So okay. m- my, um, my, the thing I really wanted to focus on while I was there was tra- their traditional healing stuff. Yeah. You're very holistic and cool. With yeah. Your medicine stuff. I really, and that was, yeah, that was really my interest. And, um, I went there without like Mike having any, um, any sort of connections to anybody who did that kind of stuff. So I was sort of shooting in the dark with that. So I went and I like, I set up lesson, like music lessons, different types of 
drumming. I set up like I wanted to learn how to do their traditional tie dye. I set up some dance mm -hmm. lessons. Basically, I sucked at everything except for the tie dye. <laughs> I did really well, and I eventually the drumming did click for me. But I am a slow learner, so. Mm -hmm. Um. But I will say, um, I really couldn't dive into the healing, the traditional healing um, stuff because I'm a woman and because I am American. <laughs> yeah. Like it just wasn't, it, they didn't, they didn't do that there. Like women were not shamans and at least as far as I could see. And nobody was willing to talk to me. Like none of the healers or medicine men were willing to talk to me. And um, because you're a woman and American. Yes. Okay. So I gave up on that and just sort of focused on other things. But I, but was super beautiful is that even though I let that go, as I got to know the women on the compound and in the family more and in the community more, it took longer than with the men for them to trust me, for them to befriend me um, for a couple reasons. Mostly they didn't really trust us. Um, also, they were not educated really beyond like maybe fifth grade, if that. Mm -hmm. So they did not speak English really mm -hmm. at all. So it took longer to um, learn enough of the language there for me to like communicate and some of the women spoke better English than others. So we like, we may do, but anyway, it took a while and eventually they like, let me in, you know, that's so and cool. it was so beautiful to me because I had some incredible connection there. And while I was there, one of the sisters of the family, her name is Cody. She was pregnant and, um, she was our age, like she was my age at the time. So she was like somewhere in her early twenties. She was pregnant with her. Wow. So oh, I love you. She was um, pregnant with her like third or fourth child. Holy at, like early, shit. Yeah. They started very, it's usually arranged Wait, marriage. When did they start having kids? Like what age? whenever yeah whenever pretty much as they could get married as soon as they were like probably 13 or so so probably something to have to do with maybe them getting their period and showing up as a woman in their community yeah and also just being um desirable as a wife in ways that like it's family connections it's like arranged marriages usually mm -hmm. so if they were like if it worked out how whoever wanted it to, they were married off pretty young and would then start having babies. Okay. But they definitely started a lot earlier than Americans do. Mm -hmm. um, so like teens. Um, but Connie was, was pregnant. She was having a lot of issues with, um, she had like the, the gestational diabetes and she was oh. pretty sick, very nauseous. And so as we became friends, she and I started looking at some of the like plants, like local plants and some of their local home remedies. And we started figuring out like a way that she could tweak her eating to like make her like sodium intake go down because it was a very high sodium diet. They were always using, they called it jumbo, but it was like this, it was essentially a, a bouillon cube of MSG. Okay. And everything. And it's just like so much sodium and so bad for you. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So we like, we like figured out this certain sauce she could make by grinding up these bio baobab leaves. And it was so good for her and so much better. And we were doing all this home remedy and stuff and ended up really helping her through her pregnancy to feel better. And that was like, it was really beautiful for me. That's incredible. Yeah. It was special. Stinking pool. Do you miss her? I do miss her. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Can you go a little bit further into the male versus female roles? Ooh, <laughs> this one's loaded. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, no, no, no. It's, Do you want no, me to uno reverse that one? No, this is a good one to talk about. I just hope I don't talk too much about it. Okay. So however, cut me off. However yeah. in depth you want to go, I'm all in it. It was wild, man. It was wild. So men are way more educated there. Men also, um, like I said, it was an arranged marriage situation for most families. Yeah. Most couples. Also, there's female genital mutilation. So for those of you who don't know what that is, that's like um, when women have like, I guess their clit essentially cut off so that they don't have that pleasure. Yeah. Pretty fucked. And I was, I, yeah. And I was prepared for this. I knew, I knew that this was a thing. Um, and that's also, like a universal thing. All women go through that. Yeah. Pretty sure. Pretty wow. sure. Okay. I did meet one Christian family and I wish I had thought to ask, but I wasn't close with them. They all lived together, like on the same compound. There was like a Christian family habiting to live in this compound that I visited and that was a neighbor. Um, but I didn't, I don't know whether they did too, but um, yeah, so they do that. And you know what? I, once I got close to the women too, I asked about it. And like, we had some really good conversations about it because I was so fucking curious and it's really, and it was a huge, um, anthropological challenge for me to not be like, what the fuck, how dare you let them do that to you? Like, you know, and like my inner, like triggered feminist coming out, you know? So I had to really breathe through that and come at it from an objective view point which was yeah. so fucking hard I'm getting nauseous just thinking about that yes 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 wow. so it was so interesting to hear the, the women's take on that and um, what was their take their take was well Cotty, the one who I who I became really close with she was saying to me like she's she was happy that that was a practice for them their take so Cotty, in talking about the genital mutilation she felt like she was fine with the practice she was like we're happy and thankful that we have this because she said she's not distracted she said um that she would never be tempted to like cheat on her husband and she can just get things done and she also told me that sex does still feel good like like she still has had awesome sex with her husband. And she was one of the rare people that I met who they had like a love marriage, she and her wow. husband. So was she it, was- They ended up falling in love or were they in love before they got married? They were in love. They were in love and it happened that it worked out. That's so, incredible. I don't know details about it, but I, I mean, Mike had known them, had known her since she was a child. And he just said, yeah, that, that, that instance was very unusual. So- Wow. 
yeah and um how old are they are the women when they are mutilated babies i think the similar to like baby boys being circumcised okay yeah yep Yep. so that's a practice that happens very when they're very young were were there boys circumcised as well yes yep okay i believe i'm trying to think (laughs) in a very inappropriate way like trying to remember i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that that was um a very cultural thing too yeah 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 so i guess outside of that so you were saying that the men are more educated um and earlier in the pod you were talking about how the women were the one that were ones that were carrying the water yes women did all the household work and that was considered a household work all of it yep so all of the water lugging cooking cleaning um every day at the compound a different woman the who lived there would do the cooking for the day Mm-hmm. started in the morning and ate like a midday meal was the meal and then if anybody was hungry the rest of the day they could have like leftovers um so yeah cooking cleaning like from the minute the sun was up in the morning you could hear somebody out sweeping the compound okay. floor um the so women what did the... oh i'm sorry you keep going no I... I'm trying to think of what else the women did. They basically just did everything. So what did the men do? <laughs> um, some of the men worked. What were the jobs like? Um, there were taxi drivers and there was um, teachers and there were, um, what other things do people do? Pa, the oldest son who lived with, with um, who we lived with, he worked at a internet cafe, which is not a cafe where you drink anything. <laughs> it's just a room with coin-operated computers. So he did computer work and, you know, there was like various jobs, but not a lot. There wasn't a lot of work. The majority of men I saw were just kind of hanging around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were chilling at the corner store like in the in the area there was like a little corner store chilling at the corner store chilling at various compounds chilling with each other just fucking chilling around yeah <laughs> it was pretty on brand honestly <laughs> um for women just doing fucking everything Hopefully and um, can't hear me breathing so fucking deeply right now just <laughs> incredibly triggered oh, oh man God. I'm so sorry I know though it's crazy it's okay um so and then like what what am I what else am I thinking about here um oh yeah like and a couple of the women I met worked too like oh, okay yeah, so well girl bosses. Is one girl boss that I knew, her name was Fatu, and she was so great. She was oh AJ is pulling my hair. <laughs> um, Fatu, Fatu was so sassy and just hilarious and wonderful. She would sit outside of her um compound where she lived, which was a neighboring compound, and she would sell cassava and beans. which was this like delicious thing that we used to, Hannah and I would go every day to get to buy cassava and beans from her. Cassava is like a root, kind of starchy root, beans over rice. And she would give it to you in like a little thing and you'd eat it. 
and you'd pay her. And like, that was what she did, but she sat right out on the street and sold it. She had like a little restaurant going. She did. Yeah. That's really cool. Oh, and it was so good too. So yummy. And, um, yeah. So I guess maybe she's the only woman I knew that like worked, but like, maybe like the lady who taught me tie dye, like I paid her to teach me tie dye. And like, we paid the dance teachers, the, the female dance teachers to teach us dance. And, um, so I don't know, like, if they're doing that kind of work for other people who aren't American, but yeah. yeah. So, and for a bad experience, Ooh. Um, wow. I, speaking of dance teachers, I will say, um, I, I had like a really rough day where I just, I actually did a little write-up about this when I was there and then maybe we'll share this on the Patreon, mm-hmm. but there was one day that I just felt like, and it was in the first, probably the first month or two, like it was early in the trip. I just could not, none of the drumming stuff was really clicking for me. None of the dance stuff was really clicking for me. I was feeling really bummed that I was not, nobody was being receptive to talking to me about the healing and um, plant medicine or anything. And I just felt like really out of place and I wanted to come home. Yeah. And there was a lot of days where I was just like, I just want to go home. This is so hard. Cause it's hard. Cause it's just hard. Yeah. Um, on and so many fucking levels, so many levels. Yeah. So there was a day of feeling really discouraged and I remember going to a couple different lessons, just bombing everything, just feeling just missing my parents, missing home, um, feeling, I remember running home from the dance lesson, running back to Connie Kunda from the dance lesson, crying hysterically, getting into my bed, crying for like hours. So that was, that was a bad day. And I mean, I did have a few really rough days. There was one day where there was some kind of fire going on and there was smoke and all the kids kept running up to us and being like, the school is burning. And we were like, what the fuck is actually going on right now? So that was weird. Okay. Yeah. Like, there's weird things that happen. I don't even know what ended up being a problem, but I, but I remember Hannah and I just being like, are we going to die? Like what's happening? Are we going to uh, die? <laughs> we actually took a, took a little video. Like we like got on a cam- on my camera and like recorded like a selfie video that day and like took a video of the smoke in the sky. We're like, we don't know if this is the last anybody's gonna hear from us but wow <laughs> yeah. we were super melodramatic um but obviously I'm, I lived to tell about it um <laughs> there was we went to McCarthy Island um which wasn't a bad experience it was probably an experience I needed to have but it Is was heart-wrenching Oh my God, I fucking forgot about that story. I will tell that story too. This is a different story, but not okay. really even a story. We went to the place where um, where the slave trade, like one of the triangles was Gambia. And we went to the place where they like would round up slaves and keep them in this essentially a dungeon. The place was called McCarthy Island. And then from there, they'd like ship out to Spain or yeah. This in like a historical aspect. Okay. Yeah. 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 Historical. And who's the really famous Gambian 
Kunta Kinte. Kunta Kinte came from like this is the place. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 oh. I didn't know he was gay. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. But like he was imprisoned at, at this um place and it was really fucked up because like the cells that we like we went and we obviously it's like a historical monument now. So we stood in some of these like dungeony spaces, which were which I had to crouch in. And I am five one. Imagine these six foot tall, beefy African men. They're like, this is where they kept like this the feisty ones. I was a fucking wreck. Yeah. So that was really, really rough um, of an experience to have. But it's like every white person should have this experience because it's our history and it's a shared trauma. And I guess like having collective historic like guilt of that, I guess. I'm just feeling so guilty for what our like people or ancestors potentially did, you know, I mean, it's really fucked up. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was really intense, but really important um, to see. So the beach story though, that was really intense. So like I said, like it was a hard trip. It wasn't just a vacation. It was like, Mm really, really earth shattering at a lot of different moments. And one of the the things that we would try to do when we just had enough, Hannah and I, is that we would go, we'd go to the beach. There was beautiful beaches there, beautiful white sand beaches with big, beautiful waves. And it was hot and it was gorgeous. And um, we were just so sick of just having to just be on guard all the time and having to deal and honestly we were constantly being hit on also which is just part of the experience being an American woman going also and also constantly being asked for money they would say you'd walk down the street and every person would be like two bob give me money two bob give me money it was like this whole two bob was white person oh yeah two bob give me money it's all I heard all the time so fucked so did you just like like ignore them um yep Yep. And at a point they started calling me Arab. Give me money too, because I get extremely brown. <laughs> yeah. So that, that started happening too. And we were like, wait, who are, what the fuck? What are they, what, what, what's happening here? So, and Hannah is extremely fair and blonde. So she definitely had a lot more of a struggle with that than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's, I mean, super like derogatory, but yeah, that, those were some of the things that were shouted at us. And um yeah so that gets old that like does a thing to the psyche too so we were just like fuck so many times so we'd go to the beach and one time there was this juice stand we would get fresh orange juice and um this guy worked at it and he started hitting on us and we were thinking we were fucking bright fucking 21 year olds we were like we're together, like we're in a relationship. The classic get you out of a bad situation. But it did not get us out of it. And this guy was like, immediately got enraged and was like, and we immediately were like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. He immediately got enraged. He was angry. Was he just like yelling at you? He like, his eyes got big and he just started shaking his head and gesturing with his hands like are you kidding and like saying all kinds of stuff like no 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 and other things in Gambian like Gambian languages I can't remember if he was speaking Mandinka or Wolof 
I cannot remember for the life of me, but he was, um, and we were like, wait, 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 what's what, why, why are you freaking out at us right now? And he was, and we're like, we're, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. Um, and he was like, oh, thank God. Or thank Allah, you know, whatever he said. And then this was probably the first real conversation we had with, with a Gambian man also is that we told, he's like, why would you lie about something like that? That's like a sin. It's super illegal. It's like, we hate homosexual people, except I don't think he used that word homosexual. I can't remember how he worded it, but essentially like culturally it's a no, no there. Um, and we were, we told him, we're like, we're so sick of being hit on. It's exhausting. We're just here at the beach trying to have a good time. And here you are harassing us. This we're is just so trying you. To relax. Yeah. Oh my word. I can like see you talking <laughs> out right now. <laughs> oh my God. Literally. Sassy so, Gabby. She doesn't come yeah. around often, but when she does, holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, and he was like, I feel like he was really receptive to that conversation. And he was like, no, he was, he was really receptive. And actually we ended up becoming really good friends with this guy. And we'd go back to the beach and we'd hang out with him at his juice stand and stuff. And he was like, (laughs) yeah, he was really real with, with us. And we were really real with him. And, and, and he, I think understood like how it is kind of maybe not always nice to hit on white women and um and you know we learned a little cultural lesson there that that is not a good thing to say I'm sorry for like all the people who actually are um like in you know homosexual relationships and stuff because I like we just were trying to get out of it and obviously we were we're weren't in a relationship and we just thought it was an easy out but like obviously I can see why this is kind of me saying telling the story is kind of gonna get me canceled but I mean I'm by and I'm not offended so yeah I don't mean to offend anybody for no. show but like I mean yeah, I we think were... there's been situations in my own life where I've had to like play up my gayness to get mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. to leave me the fuck alone yep um it's scary sometimes and sometimes you got to do what you got to do and I mean you're a supporter of the LGBTQIA plus community so it's not like you were saying it to be or anything bad you're just trying to get yourself out of a shitty situation but somehow you ended up with a friend like (laughs) yeah somehow it all worked out and it was a lesson for sure but it was a scary few minutes there so do you like there had to have been a major change in yourself between who you were before you went to Gambia and who you were after you came home. Yeah. You want to go into that? <sighs> um, I, I know it's a really big question. <laughs> it's a really big question. Um, I think maybe the biggest thing is not taking my life for granted and my um, opportunities, like coming from a first world country mm-hmm. and being a woman, knowing that, seeing it firsthand and living it firsthand, just how many, um, how, how much more fortunate we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really, really huge for me. I mean, 
we, I, I've always known, you know what I mean? Like, it's obvious that yeah. we are very um, fortunate with the privileges that we have. But when like simply like having water or electricity is um, a thing, I mean, that really changes you. Have you been able to be in contact with anybody that you <laughs> met while you were there? Maybe like with some members of your host family? I know um, you had to have been in contact with Matt. Wait, that's his name, right? Mark? Oh, no. Mike. Mike. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Close. Um, oh, yeah. Some wicked white, like generic yeah. M name. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, of course, Mike. We're, you know, we've stayed in touch over the years and yeah. we're Facebook friends and stuff. And I stayed Facebook contact with, Bakery, the host's dad. And then, yep. And then yeah. Pa, the um oldest son, who I had like a mini romance with while I was there too. Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He was amazing. He's probably the only person I've ever like fallen in love with based on the person, not looks. Go in, go off, go, 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 go. go, go. go. Yeah. Spill the tea. (laughs) Spill the tea. So he was awesome. He was an amazing person. He was the eldest son. So he had to do, I mean, this, he, he worked every single day and handed all the money he made to his family. Like he was, um, like, that's what the sons are expected to do. Mm -hmm. So, and he was really fun because he was like trying to go against the grain in his own way. Also, he, we call his, his name was Pa, but his real name was Laman, which is the eldest son name that every eldest son has. So he was like, no, I don't want a name that everybody else has. So it was like, you can call me whatever I say, you can call me. Yep. So he, um, so for one thing, there's that. And then also he was just like our point person. So he became like a source of comfort the whole time because he was young and he had now had experience of his whole life of dealing with Americans. Do you remember so he, how old he was? Oh, how old was he? He was probably only three or five years older than I was at the time. Okay. So he's probably in his yeah. mid to late 20s at most. Okay. Yeah. So he, um, so up we had Americans. Yeah, he had grown up around Americans all along. He had, and I remember Mike was like, go to Pa, go to Cotty. Like, they're going to be your, like, your rocks. And they were, both of them. So, um, so yeah, but we we ended up, like, having a little romance. And But he wasn't very, like, attractive. He was, he was a beautiful person. Yeah. Um, and I just saw, like, from my soul, like, how hard he was how hard he was working and trying and caring for his family and just he was just such a good person yeah um was that allowed like in their culture are are you allowed to date um there was definitely like once it became like apparent to his family and to mike mike was like "Mm, playing with fire definitely was not super supportive of that um it became apparent and then they were like you guys are gonna get married right like there's this whole dialogue yeah 
Was it a joke or were they being like dead ass serious? I think they're being pretty serious. <laughs> oh my God, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked, man. Yeah, that probably wasn't something that, um, yeah, that was, that was silly. It was silly. I probably shouldn't have gone there because there became, there ended up being like a lot of kind of expectations. And, and I remember his dad, Bakri really loved me. He was like, we want you a a part of our family. Um, You're so, um, you're so polite you're, cause I always was, I was like very good. I was like a very good house guest or home guest, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, I tried to help around the, around the place, which I think is like what women do, you know, kind of thing. So I think yeah. they liked that. Um, but we, um, yeah, so there was a lot of that energy, which was just kind of like, I don't know what to say. You know, I, I just, we definitely shouldn't have spent the, I like spent the night in his room a couple nights and that was, and like trying to sneak out before like the first woman was up in the morning, like sneak back to my room, which was literally the next door over. Yeah. But it was fun too. Cause I got to go hang out with him and his friends who are like our age. And he yeah. was friends with lots of different people that were sort of not from the community so I met like an art, a couple artists, like artsy types, Ooh. another like couple that lived, that kind of care took a house that a American woman owned. And then I met that other American woman who sort of was, it was fun. Like I had like a little side adventure with him too. So cool. yeah, it was cool. It was cool, but it definitely was probably not the most culturally appropriate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because yep. you so they you don't really date before you marry there because it's an arranged situation. Yeah, there's I don't think there was really much dating. Yeah. 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 And honestly, I also am not really sure if there was even like hooking up. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was not a virgin. But he could have been. Because he, he had never had like a girlfriend or anything. Yeah. But I don't know. Damn, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know that. Yeah, I definitely wow. like Yeah. You I'm um, taking a hard right turn here. You mentioned something at the beginning of the story that I have not been able to stop thinking about. Yeah. Why were there glass shards on top of the fence? I guess it was just a safety thing, like to keep people out. What people? Criminals. They would call them bandits. Bandits, <laughs> the kids. They'd, I learned so much of my um, Mandinka was the fam, the family I lived with spoke Mandinka. So many words from the kids. I just like hung out with the kids all the time and learned so much <laughs> from them. They were so much fun and so cute, and they were just like had the patience to teach us Aww. words. Um. So yeah, um, yeah, to keep the bandits out. I don't know. There was definitely some crime. I mean, it was a very impoverished area. So did you but every- see any wildlife there that you hadn't seen before? Obviously you're uh, from Maine. You're not going to see a moose in Gambia. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we did visit some, some like preserves and stuff there. So there's this place called like Kachakali that has these gigantic alligators or maybe they're crocodiles. I don't know, but like <laughs> huge ones and monkeys and there was hyenas there. I did not see any wild wildlife while I was there, though. 
Yeah. Man, that's cool though. That is pretty cool. Is there anything you taught them or was it a strictly one way learning journey for you? Hmm. You we did it had like gone yeah. through your stuff and they were patient enough to like teach you things so like just remembering what it was like to be as a child if I was in that situation I would be like tell me everything basically yeah right like girl tell me everything but like- yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we did and I feel like there was like a knowledge exchange too um with the women <laughs> talking about um like eating healthier to help the baby and stuff like that with the gestational diabetes. Um, We also, uh, the girls were always asking questions. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Can we pause? So, yeah, I feel like, okay, the women all the time would, they had so many questions about tampons and pads And like our like period related sanitary practices. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember before, like as I was getting ready to leave and stuff, like leading up to leaving, they were like, send us tampons, send us tampons, please send us tampons. <laughs> and I remember Mike being like, do not send them tampons. Like do not oh, send really? them tampons. Yeah. Because they don't really have like the sewage system to support that. And also mm-hmm. like the body hygiene to support that necessarily like you we just know like you cannot leave a tampon in for that long mm-hmm. like it's not part of their education mm-hmm. you know what I mean that's so like the first that, thing you learn when it's like we won't tell you how to put one in but don't leave it in for more than six hours bitch you will die yep. like <laughs> yeah so I could have told Cotty or whatever like I'd mail it to her or whatever and be like listen here are the rules but like, who knows who she's going to give them to. And if those rules are going to get construed in any, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't want to be responsible for giving anybody toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fair. Um, what other things did you get to teach them? Um, they had a lot of questions about like life here and school and, um, our families um so like cultural questions too and were they surprised by anything um yes so the funniest thing for me was explaining to them about where I lived because to them when they think of um America when they think of the U.S. they think of New York Miami LA Mm -hmm. so I had to describe out here in rural Maine I had to be like, I had to be like, um, we live in the bush. I say, I'm, I'm from the bush. I'm from the bush because they understood that as like wilderness, yeah. like out in the, like out in the woods. And like, we took a trip while we were in Gambia to the bush and like people lived out in the bush and I was like mm-hmm. very rural. And so that's how I would explain it to them, but they could not comprehend um, we'd and be you like, couldn't show them any photos. I couldn't show them any photos. It was like before the time of smartphones and, it, and everything like that. At least for me, I didn't have. Well, one, even so like have... the internet cafe that was right. there, you couldn't like pull anything up from your. Not paper. really. Yeah. No. And I usually went alone. Nobody really was around for that. Yeah. Um, and whenever I'd say, or any of us would say, any of the three of us would say, "We're from Maine," they'd go, "Miami." We're like Maine, Miami, 
<laughs> it was really funny. Um, and the cold and the snow. And Bakri, our host dad, had been to Maine. Yeah, because no one, yeah, one of the past um, students that was out there, they were super close. And he invited him to his wedding and paid for him to go out there. Mm-hmm. Did he tell you about what that was like for him? We, um, you know, if we did talk about it, I don't really remember. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I know. I know. It's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. Okay. Um, what about with the men? I know you didn't really have like as much of a relationship with them, but like, was there anything that you got to talk to them about in which they taught you something and you taught them something? God, I can't, honestly, I wish I had a better answer for that right now. Oh, it's Okay. I don't really trying remember. trying to jog any memories. Yeah. It was such a whole learning process. And I'm sure that I taught them and they learned things from me that I don't can't even think of right now, too. Might have been like not subliminal, but like unintentional. Yeah. It's not like, Un- hey, this is how blah, yeah. blah, blah is where I'm from. It could have just been like, yeah, you guys don't have what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of like cultural kind of like maneuvering and figuring out and being like, whoa, no way kind of thing. That's and, really cool. Oh, God, there was so much cultural shit that was really hard to, I mean, little things like I fucked up a couple times. I remember at one point, our one of our drumming teachers wife had to go to the hospital and I it was super scary and I don't remember what the reason was or anything but I just remember she got really sick had to go to the hospital it was a super scary thing for their family and um the and when we saw them again we went over to that to their compound to visit and I gave my teacher who was a male a hug and I was like I'm so sorry about your wife I can't remember what her name was but I was like I'm so sorry about I'm so sorry that this is happening, you guys, you know, like super genuine. And I got in big trouble for hugging him. Like within the community or from your teacher? From Mike. <laughs> from Mike. He was like, he was like, Gabby, you're so sweet. Like, I know you're, you mean well, but you cannot fucking do that. Like, that's so inappropriate here. Is that and like I was just, intimate to yeah, hug? There? I guess. Yeah. Yep. And like a married man and public display of (laughs) I don't know man yeah but I got in so much trouble and then I was so ashamed and I felt so bad well yeah because it wasn't your intention yeah and also it's really hard to go in this is another thing I I had to work on it was a constant effort to not go in to this culture and be like the American way, you know what I mean? And not, not trying to like, colonize them. You're there to experience yeah. their so, culture and be immersed in their culture and not so much exactly. bringing yours. And that comes up in thinking about, did I teach them anything? Because a lot of times I did have to sort of hold my tongue about things because I wasn't there to do that. And in, in right. a way, a lot of times we don't even realize how many instances that'll come up and you'll be like, yeah. I want to you like, there's our easier way to do this. Or there's like a, I didn't even think of that. When I came, when I asked you that question, I was thinking like, I wonder if they know what a moose is. Like yeah. <laughs> it's no, a very definitely... innocent take, but yeah. like when you are living in such close quarters with people, of course, stuff like that is going to come up. Of course, you're going to be like, y'all don't have tampons. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. 
So, but there were lots of like innocent um, exchanges on that level too, for sure of things that we, they wanted to know and things that I wanted to know. And yeah. Yeah. That's really cute. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up this podcast? Oh man. I don't know. It was quite an experience. It really was. Um, It was incredible. It was like, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced and possibly like nothing I ever will ever get the opportunity to experience again. And I mean, I hope I get to travel again someday, but it won't be like that uh, immersive. I don't imagine. Um, It was earth shattering. There was so many moments of just like, just, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Do, would you ever go back if you had the opportunity? I would go anywhere if I had the opportunity, but yes, I think I would. Um, yeah. I've talked to Brandon about it so much. Cause I'm just like, I wish I could just show you the things that I'm trying to explain to you. Cause you would have been, it would have blown your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely go back. I, I remember at the beach, there were these little bungalows that people could rent out. I would go to one of those and I'd uh, you would go to like the touristy part. I would, I would. Yeah. And I mean, I'd go visit, I would go visit my friends, Fans, you know, the fam. That was there. Yep. Yeah. A little fan band. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, but it was, uh, I mean, the music and the dance is so in their souls. It's incredible. Um, I also felt like the, like veil was way thinner there for me. I felt so much more connected to like the source or the universe or like God, call it what you will. I mean, I felt like I had really insane dreams a couple of times that I felt were borderline prophetic. I think that we should stop this podcast here. Mm-hmm. And you know how when we did our spooky yogi October episode, you didn't really get to say too much in that episode because me and Amar and you, like we all have so many like crazy kind of experiences that there really wasn't enough time and the time that we had for all of us to talk. And I would love to hear you have an entire episode talking about your experience with the veil thinning in Gambia. And yeah, we'll put that on the Patreon. Cool. Yeah. Okay, That'd cool. Be awesome. That sounds yeah. great. Is there anything that you want our listeners to know or to take away from listening to this? Um, it's a big world. It's a really big world. Yeah. Um, we do have it really good. I know things are not perfect um, in our country right now. And they're very far from it, but uh, what a difference. Um, Also, I will say there's like a lot of, um, I feel like, especially back then more so than now, but there's a lot of weird post 9-11 energy, like anti-Muslim feelings and energy. And I will say that these people that I lived with and spent these months with these beautiful, amazing Muslim people were the sweetest, most welcoming, loving, beautiful, um, uh, people I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like after that trip, 
I had a lot of anger towards a lot of the, like the Muslim discrimination. Um, Cause I'm like, every religion has its radicals, man. And yeah, yeah. Every, group, every place. Yeah. Yep. So stop the fucking hate. And I know that I know that that was a little bit closer to 9-11. So it was definitely like a little bit more. What year did you go? Well, it was 10 years ago. So that would have been. 2010? Yeah, 2027. 27. Oh my God. Guys, I didn't do good in school. (laughs) Yeah, don't mind us. Um, It was. 10 years ago. Watch us both not be able to do math. 2011. <laughs> yeah, to 2012? No. Is no. that 10, 10 years ago? It's 2022 right now. What was 10 years ago, Dylan? What year was 10 years ago? 2012. <laughs> I don't know if Emma's going to leave this in the podcast or not, but I was struggling with the numbers. <laughs> this is real life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I'm, man. I'm actually crying. Oh, man. Well, don't mind us. So oh, that's awesome. You did but not yeah. come here for me to be your accountant. That's for fucking no, sure. Definitely don't give us numbers. Holy <laughs> shit. Ever. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, dude, I needed that. I have not laughed that hard in a while. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so uh, glad you got that. Oh, so, yeah, God. but I mean, that was 10 years. Now we're 20 years out from that happening, 22 years since 9 yeah. 11. And, right? That was in 2000. Or was it in 2001? Dylan, when did 9-11 happen? What year was 9-11? Was it 2000 or 2001? 01. Yeah, so it's been... <laughs> God damn, guys. <laughs> 12, 10. It's been a rough fucking week, okay? <laughs> Holy shit. It's it been really a really has. rough week, guys. Oh, please, my God. Be gentle. Ooh, so, yeah, it, it's been that much. Uh, now, It that's not so prevalent for us like that Muslim yeah. hate cultural thing that was going on um but now I do yeah I'm not gonna go off on a tangent right now but sorry it's okay I love you all <laughs> I love you all and I just want you all to love each other as well yeah please so <sighs> do you want to open up a dialogue with our listeners about your experience in Gambia like if they have any more questions or anything like that I don't think we got any questions this time on the story um so maybe when we make our post be like hey y'all ask questions if you want to or yeah I would love that because I love to talk about it and honestly we like we barely scratched the surface I was just thinking that I was like I don't know how long we've been recording for but I know it's been a fucking while and I feel like I've barely even like dug into anything like this is crazy it's probably gonna need like a part two when you reach your 11 year (laughs) anniversary (laughs) Yeah, uh, we can totally talk more uh, and it, please ask questions and I'll try to dig up some yeah. of the writings I did while I was there for the Patreon. Some of it's already started surfacing. Um, yeah, guys, you really like, even if it's just for this next month, 
please sign up for the Patreon just to get to see all of the incredible photos that Gabby was able to bring home from her trip, as well as uh, she did blog posts within the internet cafe there, detailing <laughs> her experience live and in action. And yeah. you're going to try and post the ones that you can find. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so excited. So please and ask you get to watch this video of us just like being fucking idiots in this. Oh my God. God, we have been so strong and honestly it's a miracle that we're even here today to record so the mm-hmm. fact that we are showing up is enough yep. and just I hope you enjoyed this because it was kind of miraculous that we got here big struggle bus vibes big struggle <laughs> bus vibes but we are here but now we're leaving so <laughs> we'll we were here Oh, yep. We'll see you guys on Instagram, on the Twitter, on the Patreon, and we're here for you. We are here for you. Thank you for listening.